you read with me tonight in the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Book of Genesis, chapter 1, and we will read at verse 27. Genesis 1 and 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he him. Verse 31, And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. Turn over to Genesis 6. Genesis 6 and verse 6. And we read, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Turn with me, please, over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 15 and verse 47 the first man is of the earth earthy the second man is the Lord from heaven or we could read it the first man is of the dust of the earth the second man is the Lord from heaven we'll turn now to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6 knowing this that our or maybe we should read the old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin for he that is dead is freed or emancipated from sin you'll notice Paul is a careful writer he does not say He that is dead is freed from sins. He says, he that is dead is freed from sin. Turn please to the book of Isaiah, chapter 52. Book of Isaiah, chapter 52, and verse 14. As many were astonished or appalled at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man. Or we could read it also, he was disfigured more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Finally, one last passage in Second Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
Second Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now I want, if I can, tonight just to briefly look at what I will call the marred image. And by what I mean by the marred image is the marred image of Genesis 1. The image that was the image in which man was created. Created in the image of God. But marred and ruined. When Jesus went to see Nicodemus or Nicodemus went to see Jesus, at night Jesus told him you must be born again. And that is a topic that the Apostle Paul picked up. There's not that much in the Gospels about it, but it's a topic that Paul picked up and he runs with it throughout his epistles. We read it in Romans. It's in 1 Corinthians. It's in 2 Corinthians. It's in Galatians. It's in Ephesians. It's in Ephesians 2, and it's again, we read in Ephesians 4 a little bit before, if we had read down just a few more verses, we have it again. And we have it in Colossians. So he is very much interested in this topic of a new birth, or of a transformation, or of a complete changeover in a person. When we read in Genesis 1, we read that God created man in his own image. And we read that he was pleased with what he had created. So he created men, he created a man and a woman, and he was happy with the result. He was pleased with what he had there. He created them to be like him. I don't think physically, but morally, that they should be in the same mold, if you could put it that way, that he was. So he created man in his whole image. So it's rather a surprise then to us, or maybe not so great a surprise, when we come to Genesis 6 and 6, and it says God is sorry that he ever made man. Because the image was marred. If we had read a little bit earlier in Genesis, we would have read about that marring. How that man... A man and a woman disobeyed God, and as a result, the image that God had created was marred. And it was marred beyond repair. There are things that are marred, and they can be repaired. And then there are things that are marred, and they can never be repaired. I remember a girl at work some years ago, Um, Kim were here she might remember her as well she had been pushed in front of a subway train and run over Um, at the time I knew her she had been through more than a hundred operations on her face Um, but you could still see that something was not quite right there 
if you didn't know the story, you might not know just what it was, but it never got back just the way it was. It was marred in a way that could never be totally restored even after a hundred operations. If you were to go home and throw something hard at your bedroom mirror, it would shatter. Your bedroom mirror gives you the image of yourself. You look into it, and whatever you use it there, whether it's to tie your hide, tie or brush your hair or put on your hat or whatever purpose you get out of your mirror, it shows what you are. But if you throw something at it and shatter it, will it still do that? Is it still a mirror? Yes, it's still a mirror. Will it still show your image? Yes, it will still show your image. But is it really useful for the purpose that it was intended for? And the answer to that, of course, is no. And there's nothing you can really do. Time won't repair your mirror. Wishing won't be repaired your mirror. There's no kind of behavior that your mirror can engage in that will cause it to come back together again. The only thing you can do with that mirror is take it off the wall, and if the frame is still good, you can take it down to the mirror and gas glass place and have the mirror replaced. Because what was there that showed your image has been flawed. It's marred, and it no longer does the job properly. And that's what we have with mankind. Mankind has a flawed image of God. Sometimes people say, well, men never do anything good. They can't do anything good. Well, that's not true. I mean, I think we know people who do good deeds, who do good things. But I think what the Bible would have us to understand is that behavior cannot make the person. The person's birth really, for the most part, governs their behavior. Sometimes people behave differently from what their birth would dictate, but the birth will never, but the behavior will never decide what you are. You can eat General Sal's chicken until it comes out of your ears, but you will never be Chinese if you weren't born that way. Because your behavior maybe is a result of what you were born as, but what your behavior is will never dictate what you are. And so there's a marred image here, a shattered image of God. And that image can never be repaired. People look and they say, well, it wasn't my fault. They look at themselves as if somehow the fault devolved down on them. Well, it has nothing to do with whether we are at fault or not. The Bible presents us as being inheritors of Adam's nature, and when that image shattered, it could never again be repaired. It does not matter whether we did it or not. It matters not who threw the object at the mirror that broke it. Once it's broken, it can't be repaired. It needs to be replaced. And so the, the image of God that we were created in has been broken. Now when we look at 1 Corinthians, it tells us of two men. And it tells us of one man who is the man of dust. The man that we read about in Genesis 1, the man who was created there. And the man who sinned 
the man who destroyed the image, that is the first man. And then in 1 Corinthians, we also read of a second man, and it says the second man is from heaven. So he's a man of a different character. He was not made from the dust of the earth. He was created by God in Mary's womb, but he is not of Adam's seed. He is not the man descended from Adam. He is another man. He is the man from heaven. And so he is the second man. And this man we are told, we are told something else about an old man in Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6 we are told about an old man. And this old man we are told was crucified. And the body of sin was destroyed. And so there is something there that corresponds to the man of dust that is destroyed. There is something there that had to be put to an end. In other words, we can't transform what is there into something else. We can't take the broken image and somehow repair it. There is this notion, and it's widespread among the world that somehow a person by their behavior can transform themselves from not being acceptable into somehow being acceptable it's not what the Bible has to say what the Bible tells us very clearly is that what we were in Adam is irreparable can never be fixed nothing can ever be done with it there is nothing that you or I can ever do with ourselves to ever make ourselves what God intended for us in the beginning. The image was broken. The image was marred. But we find more that there was a, what the second man did, the second man was from heaven. But the second man was not a man to begin with. He was the son of God and he became a man. And when we read in Isaiah, we read of what happened to him. His image, his vision, visage, his face was marred more than that of any man. No other man, we are told, quite as disfigured as he was. It tells us that the people were appalled by what they saw. By what they saw when they looked at the cross, when they looked at a man... Hanging there, they were appalled at what they saw there, at a man who had been disfigured more than any man. You remember Manoah and his wife, they had offered up a sacrifice to God, and uh, after the man that they offered it to went up in the smoke, Manoah said, we have seen God, we're going to die We can't look at the face of God and die. And his wife, with a little more common sense, said, well, then why did God tell us all these things if he had just intended to kill us? But you understand where Manoah was coming from. He said, I can't look at God's face and still live. And yet in Isaiah 52, we read of wicked men who disfigured the face of God, who spat in it, who punched it, who pulled the hair from it, who disfigured it more than any man. And what was the purpose of all this? Well, the purpose of disfiguring the man, the purpose of his being on Calvary, the purpose of his dying on the cross, 
was to make a new man, was to make a new creation, to make something new that was never there before. That which was there before could never be repaired. But what God set out to do was a second creation. The creation that he made back in Genesis 1 could never be fixed. But he set out, in, as we read in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to create a new creation. There was a provision here that was made. So he makes of a man a new creation. He makes him something new that he wasn't before. He takes the old, that which we were, in Adam, and that is crucified. That is destroyed. And what he makes of a man is he makes him a new man, a new creation. And you'll notice that this provision is not just for a few. It says that it was for the world. He was reconciling the world unto himself. He was making a provision for all. Not just for a few, but for all. There was a provision there that he was reconciling the world to himself. And it says he reconciled it to himself. You might reconcile your checkbook. It doesn't seem to be a very popular exercise with younger people today, but you would usually say, I am reconciling with the bank, because it's possible that both of you have made an error. But he doesn't say that. He says reconciled to God. Because there is only one error here, and that error is with mankind. And so we are reconciled to God. And so that means that when a person is born again, when a person trusts a Savior who died at Calvary, he is made something new. He's not a hybrid. I know it says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, but a person who has been saved is not a saved sinner. He's a new creation. He's something he never was before. He's a saint. And you say, well, what is a saint? Well, I'll tell you what a saint is. A saint is someone who is created in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what the new creation is all about. We were created once in Adam. We were created in the image of God. But that image was ruined. But Christ became a man himself, suffered the indignity of having his own face disfigured, his own image disfigured, in order that he might save men and women, boys and girls. He died there for that purpose, so that he might make of them a new creation, something new, something that will never again be destroyed, something that will never be crucified again, a new person, and a person that will go into heaven for all eternity. So we can be thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the message of the gospel and for what he has done for us at Calvary and that we who were by our inheritance had no hope yet through his work at Calvary he gave himself died on a tree that we might live and live unto Christ and that's the message of the gospel it says it right on the back there that Christ died according to the scriptures and that he was raised again the third day you know the gospel is preached here every week sometimes more often you wonder how 
long it will be preached here. We heard here this morning from Alistair about the preaching of the gospel and going into all the world. You know, we live in the golden age of gospel preaching. There has never been in the history of Christianity a better age in which to hear the gospel. I could think of, if I go back 50 years, sitting in this auditorium here, and the gospel was preached just as it is tonight. But the gospel, the accessibility of the gospel was a very different thing in 1962 than it is in 2012. Albania, there was no newsletter on the back. Albania was hermetically sealed from the outside world. Oh, there may have been some Christians there, but there was no gospel in Albania. What about the rest of the Iron Curtain countries, the Eastern Bloc, the old USSR? In the summer of 1962, the Cold War was coming to its brink, and the fall would be the Cuban Missile Crisis. After that, it slowly diffused over the decades, but you would would have had a difficult time ever hearing the gospel in the Eastern Bloc or in the USSR in 1962. What about Red China? In 1958, Mao had instituted his religious reforms, which meant basically locking up anybody who had anything to do with any religion and sending them off for 20-year sentences. And four years after that, began the anarchy of the Cultural Revolution. There was no there was no gospel in China in nineteen sixty two. But what about today? Some of you probably get a nice newsletter from Timothy Sloan about the Ukraine with pictures in it and gospel halls and things like that. That didn't exist in nineteen sixty two. Silas So sent me a little clipping from the South China Morning Post that said the, the, the writer estimated that there were 120 million house church Christians in China. How many of those are truly born again? I have no idea. That wouldn't have existed in 1962. But it makes you wonder how much longer it will be before God closes the door. There has never been a time and people can come into the United States before it used to be people had to go out with the gospel. Now many People hear it by being brought here. They come here for school or for something else, and they hear the gospel here. There's never been an easier time. I'm not saying the people who preach the gospel in these places always have an easy time. I'm just saying that there's never been a better time to hear the gospel. But you have to wonder, if God is bringing people in to end the age, I don't know. I have no way of knowing. God himself knows the time when he will bring the the whole thing to an end. But the day is coming when the one who died on Calvary will come again and call his own to himself. And when he does, that will be the end. There will be no more gospel. Shall we pray?